Have you ever been asked to design or undertake a project, but you or others on your team just didn't see eye to eye on the solution or the direction you were given? Or conversely, have you ever worked on a project where it was going in altogether too many directions and you were trying to achieve way too many goals and objectives and everyone had a slightly different idea of what done looked like? Well, if design is all about finding solutions to a problem, and if you don't align on what the problem really is, then everything else that follows suit probably won't be on the right track. And the end result? Time and resources get burned. Disagreements happen. You have that sinking feeling of not really knowing what the point of the project is. And most importantly, it becomes increasingly more likely that the solution won't even successfully find its audience or fulfill any user needs. Enter the problem statement. The problem statement is the linchpin to everything that follows. It defines what you are working towards and why. As a designer, you are relying on it for a solid foundation and direction. Now, thinking back to the stages of design thinking, the problem statement is the critical component to the define phase. Nielsen Norman Group describes it as a summary of who the user is, their need, and why that need is important to the user. Note that the emphasis is on the human who is using the solution rather than the solution itself. And the focus should be on what you want them to do and achieve. What challenge is it that you want to help them with? What's going to help you gauge if you've indeed solved for it? So it's very metrics focused. Now to make this all a little bit more concrete, Let's think through a few local to BC examples that are very upfront with their problem statements. First up, we have Providence Healthcare, a healthcare service provider within Vancouver Coastal Health. Their mental health division created an online tour for patients. The website clearly states, we created this tour because some patients told us that at the beginning of their journey, they were anxious about coming in contact with the mental health system. Second up, we have Luna VR a local startup that created a product, VR Vaccines, intended for the 22% of adults who are scared and stressed from needles. On its website, it states that its purpose is to simulate the standard vaccine procedure so that patients can become more comfortable and less fearful about vaccinations. In both cases, the problem statements focus in on alleviating patient anxiety. And if you visit the websites, you'll notice a few things that are indicators of a good problem statement. First of all, the audience itself is fairly broad, but still well-defined enough to focus in on. Second of all, not only is it easy to understand who is the user and what they're struggling with, but they're both identified very much upfront. Thirdly, because of these two things, it's also easy to determine what the success metrics and evaluation points should be. Reduction in anxiety. And that, in turn, hints at what possible solutions could be. Lastly, both of the respective problem statements have made it into that forward-facing marketing effort that's available on the website. So, put it another way, the best problem statements generally can be constructed and likewise deconstructed to a couple core essentials. The user, plus their need, plus the why.
the user should focus more on the human behaviors, expectations, and emotions rather than the demographic or marketing data that we're often handed. Whereas the need and the why focus in on their pain points and the opportunities that those pain points present. You should be able to answer why the user cares about that issue, how it affects their life, what emotion it provokes, and what benefit does the user gain if there might be a better solution at hand. So ideally, all three of these elements, the user, need, and why, would come from your user research efforts. You'll notice that the problem statement does not actually spell out the how or the details of the solution. That comes later in the ideate, prototype, and validate phases. And, as I mentioned, in those phases, you'll be doing that validation where you do do further user research and collect more data. But even in the very early stages of kickoff, you can begin discussing and aligning on who your target audience is and what you think you're solving for. In other words, it's okay to not completely have that research done or even started. You can think of these statements as sort of proto-statements or hypotheses that you can iterate on as you progress through those stages that follow. If you take a look at the links I've included, you'll see that there are some suggestions for how to craft your initial problem statement. You may also find it useful to create an empathy map to keep everyone honest about who the user is and aligning on that. The empathy map usually describes basic attributes of the user, including what they're saying, thinking, feeling, and doing. But the very best empathy maps really take care to describe those user pain points and gains and that's where there's that natural flow from the empathy map over into the problem statement. Now the problem statement itself should be simple, but the process of getting there is often anything but. Going back to the concepts of goal-directed design and the double diamond approach, a design can benefit from divergent thinking in the very early stages. This is often referred to as brainstorming in sort of common parlance. But it's a rather specific kind of brainstorming. It's one where you're opening up the problem and exploring different lenses and perspectives to explore it, rather than thinking of solutions and features to solve for it. That exploration is known as problem framing. Christopher Alexander, an architect who is very influential to the field of user experience design, comments on the idea of framing by using an example of a tea kettle. If we simply focus on redesigning the form of the kettle, then all we can see is the kettle itself. But if we think of the why or the existence of the kettle, then we begin to see the problem instead as finding a way to heat drinking water for domestic use. By looking at it in this way, we can now see that there could be other methods and means for heating water besides the kettle. So the problem is now shifted from the kettle to these other possibilities and opportunities. And as that presents itself, we can now see or imagine other ways of solving that problem. So for example, it could be something integrated into the sink that delivers hot water on demand, or maybe more unconventionally speaking, it could be a solar panel that uses convection to deliver hot water, or maybe there's an intelligent heat exchanger device that delivers it elsewhere in the house. So sometimes it can be tempting to focus in on the form or the product itself 
rather than questioning the need for the product in the first place. But when you question the need, it becomes clearer to see the problem that you're dealing with. So what are some ways of doing that very thing of reframing? Well, a few ideas. Firstly, you could do co-creation activities, maps in particular, like concept maps, empathy maps, journey maps, stakeholder maps, territory maps, anything that helps you visualize and explore the experience over time and from different contexts and perspectives. Secondly, you could compare different types of users by doing things like empathy maps or day in the life of, or even contrasting extreme users who represent radically different types of viewpoints. So for example, the novice versus power user. Thirdly, you could be a contrarian and flip the problem to its opposite. One common technique here is to use the how might we to present the challenge as a question as opposed to a statement. You can also rely on more standard project management techniques such as bullseye diagrams or matrices to help identify and zero in on core problems among your team. Last up, we have five whys, or what I like to think of as channeling your inner four-year-old and continuing to ask why until there's nothing left except for that core problem. So, with all of that behind us now, let's do a little bit of practice. We'll use a classic, which is the elevator problem. So, Imagine you've been asked to look into a really slow elevator in a building. The tenants have been complaining about that slowness and are threatening to break their lease if the elevator is not fixed. What do you see as the problem that needs to be solved for here? Write down what you're thinking. Now, did you focus in on the slowness of the elevator? Or was there something else that helped shift your understanding of the problem? If you're curious about how building managers have solved for this, take a look at the article, Are You Solving the Right Problems? and see what they have to say there.